Good to see everybody today. So uh, we have a little correction with regard to our newcomers thing. It's going to be in the back there. We had to make an adjustment. The tent was a little soggy today. By the way, that little soggy tent situation, we love our tent, by the way, so much. We've fed and ministered to so many people there. It's unbelievable. But uh, coming soon to a theater near you, that's about to be a building. It will be a building that... um, will be like an indoor-outdoor facility with the walls open. You can kind of close or open them, but it'll have a, a, hard, a, a stronger structure. So if you want to help any one of you want to help us build that, it's going to cost a little bit, but we have it already on the plans, and by God's grace, it'll emerge this year. Just like all kinds of other things have been emerging this year. This has been a, the last couple of years has been one long building project. We've renovated almost all of our facilities over the last uh, couple of years, and uh, we're getting to the close to the end, and then we're about to start another project here and that'll be what happens over here uh, with the playground as well as this area out here and so it's uh and also eventually the kitchen as well so anyway uh god bless you all good to see everyone today and uh, afterward we're going to have this little welcome for you guys that are newer to us you want to hang out with us a little bit and it'll be just right back there where the tables are and the kitchen's right over there so it should be nice and cozy today I want to talk about peace, and that's the Hebrew word shalom. I love that word so much. You fall in, word with that, uh, you fall in love with that word more and more the more you know about it. And I don't proclaim to be a Hebrew scholar, but the little study I've done, that word shalom is quite a big word. And so today I want to talk about the shalom that Jesus bought for us uh, through the cross and through his resurrection, his amazing power. And um, it's really significant as we begin to really understand what we mean by that word. I want to just start with Isaiah chapter 53, verses 1 to 5. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him, nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. Isn't that funny that God comes to earth, and and he just comes humbly, doesn't he? just... Nothing that we would actually stand out that would make him stand out in the sense of the world, right? He was despised, in fact, and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain, like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised, and we held him in low esteem. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted, but he was pierced. For our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And there's that word again, shalom, was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. What a powerful, powerful section of scripture. That part, the punishment that brought us peace was on him. So we're going to talk about that peace, some dimensions of it. First, there's the profound reconciliation with God in verse 5, the word peace in Hebrews chapter, in the verse that I just mentioned, verse 5. It's a perfect description of what Jesus purchased for us on the cross. It's packaged in the word shalom as almost unlimited blessing, including safety, sa- uh, soundness in body, prosperity, tranquility, and friendship with God both now and forever. So, you know, that, that little word, so much is bound up in that word, right? And uh, so... Uh, I love that word. It's, it's such a broad but beautiful and simple concept. And so not just in terms of inner tranquility, but safety all the way around, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially. So when we want God's shalom on us, it's, there's rest in every area. You could have a really bad heart condition but no job. Or you could have a 
job but a heart condition, right? You could have children not doing well and be okay in every other area. But it's funny how when you get into an area of suffering, how that area of suffering almost eclipses everything if it's strong enough and severe enough. So this word shalom is a really broad, beautiful word. And I'm, I'm glad that that word is like that. I didn't make that up. I got it from a Hebrew scholar. So I, I, I'm on firm ground here. Because when I think of peace, you know, I just think of, well, you know, I feel a little bit more tranquil. But this is a big word, and God's offering a lot when we look in the, these, these passages of Scripture, when we read uh, these verses in Isaiah and, and, and elsewhere. He was crushed for our iniquities, the punish that brought us peace was on him and by his wounds we were healed so the punishment they took on the cross was for our welfare for our well-being another way to say it is john 10 10 i came that they might have life and have it abundantly you know i've found through my years both in myself and other people i have found that one of the hardest things for people to believe is that god's good news we say it good news good news gospel means good news we can recite scripture after scripture but in the core of a person's being many many people don't have a really hard time reconciling that because when the suffering comes or when there's pain or they just have a hard time believing that God's good news, that he's so much more God good news than we could ever have imagined. And then we talk about the historical event where Jesus was crucified on the cross for our sins. But for us, sometimes it's so far and, and distant, you know, we can't hardly even identify on another country a hundred years ago. What does that have to do with us? Well, if that's all that stayed, that would be one thing. But God sent this thing not this thing, this person, this other side of himself. It's, I don't get too deep into the doctrine of the Trinity, but it's God, right? And it's called the Holy Spirit. He's called the Holy Spirit, or she's called the Holy Spirit, whichever way you want to do, because it's God, right? So this Holy Spirit comes and lives inside of you. And this baptism of the Holy Spirit that we talk so much about is just a, an, an encounter with a fuller anointing that might accompany salvation or come a little bit later, right? A, a fullness of, of God's Spirit. And it's in that fullness that we experience all these wonderful attributes of God. If you look at 1A on your outline, first there's the profound reconciliation with God. Verse 5, the Hebrew word for peace, shalom, is a perfect description of what Jesus purchases from, purchased for us on the cross. Packaged in the word shalom is almost unlimited blessing, including safety, soundness in body, prosperity, tranquility, and friendship with God both now and forever. Oh, I love those verses. I stole all that from Alex Montier one of the most profound writers on the book of Isaiah that I've ever run across. And uh, so I'm getting this all from him and also from the Bible and from me, from God, from friends of mine, <laughs> wherever I could pick information up, right? <laughs> so God's covenant of peace can be embraced by all who receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. So John 1:10, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him, which is incredible, isn't it? The world still doesn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. What a tragic thing. His own nation, his own people had been looking for him for all those years. He showed up and nobody recognized him. This is a big problem. It's a big problem even in the church. You call the church, you know God for years and years, and then he shows up and you don't see him. Why? One of the biggest reasons is because of a nasty religious spirit comes on you. Instead of the spirit of God, you get a religious spirit that looks like God and you've been uh, disconnected from the very presence, the very essence of the Lord and His Holy Spirit. It's easy to do sometimes when problems mount up 
maybe even also in an environment that does not encourage uh, what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I, I run class after class, three times a year, just and baptize means to immerse. So there's an immersion in the Holy Spirit. Remember, the disciples couldn't do anything until that happened. He said, just wait, wait until it happens, until the Lord brings that presence. So it's so important to get more of God. But when you get more of God, when you get baptized in the Spirit, when you get filled with the Holy Spirit, it's amazing what begins to happen. And so these verses, he was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. What an amazing, profound phrase. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He's talking more specifically about Israel, right? Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. He gave the right to become children of God. There's nothing more provided for than children of God. I don't know about you, but I love to provide for my kids. Most parents do. Believe you or unbelieving. But God's like that too. And it's so important to grasp this simple concept of the love of a father for their children. Some of you love your kids and your grandkids, and it's just they're, they're your joy and delight. But can I just say, you're God's joy and delight. And the way you provide for them, the way you want for them, the way you want them to do well, is that same passion for, from God is... Is, is for you uh, directly from the Lord, from the Lord himself. I love uh, Isaiah chapter 54. We're going to get into that a little bit more. But Isaiah 54, uh, 10 uh, records, Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant, and there it is again, of peace be removed, says the Lord who has compassion on you. Oh, I love that verse. I'm going to say it again. You want to hear that again? Okay, so mountains and be shaken and the hills removed all these things these powerful things catastrophe everywhere trouble everywhere yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken nor my covenant of peace be removed says the lord who has compassion on you in the event that there is major cataclysmic events somewhere in our future or somewhere and Earth's future, you can always remember that no matter what, no matter what's shaking or falling around, God's compassion is with the people of God. And He's well able to take care of them. He is more than a good shepherd. He's an awesome, wonderful shepherd. Interested in you, not just a good shepherd in terms of a vision you have of him, a staff, but a shepherd who's going after the sheep, who loves his, the people. And I tell you what, that whole thing is a, it's a very fascinating study to see how shepherds and sheep are related to one another. But they're very, very connected historically. We don't know much about that, but, but there's nothing like a lost sheep to make a shepherd get upset and to go after him and leave all the rest just to find that one. And that's the way they do it you know, in the natural. And so it is in the supernatural. God's covenant of peace can be embraced by all who receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And this covenant of peace, the Spirit of God is poured out. A beautiful summary of what we can expect when the Spirit is poured out on us is outlined in Isaiah uh, chapter uh, 32. And uh, I want to just read those verses of Isaiah 32, uh, 14 to 20. The fortress will be abandoned, the noisy city deserted. Citadel and watchmen, uh, citadel and watchtower will become a wasteland forever, the light of donkeys, a pasture for flocks. Till the Spirit is poured on us from on high and the desert becomes a fertile field. So he's talking about a situation where there has been trouble, bad, bad trouble. But notice what happens in your life and in the church's life when the Spirit shows up. Fortunately for us, we don't have to look too far for the Spirit 
Because when you get saved, the Spirit comes on inside of you and lives there, right? And He lives actually plurally with us as well. There's a corporate sense of God too. The Spirit resides in us corporately and individually. So whatever you do, you want to be close to God, right? Well, just stay close to His church and stay close to Him yourself, right? But here's what happens when the Spirit comes. Till the Spirit is poured on us from high and the desert becomes a fertile field. I declare today every desert in this room a fertile field. And the fertile field seems like a forest, Lord. I declare growth, prosperity, grace. The Lord's justice will dwell in the desert. His righteousness live in the fertile field. I love that. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace. There that word shalom is again. Its effect effect will be confidence. I like that. Confidence. Quietness and confidence forever. I like that. Always confident. The noise of the world's calm. You're calm, cool, collected, right? That's what peace brings. That's what the Lord brings. That's why we're not responding the rest of the way the world is. That's why it's so confusing sometimes for the world with the COVID stuff and this and that, that and this and that. We just don't march to that drummer. We can't help it. We're calmer. We know who our master is. And when the desert comes, we know who changes the desert. We know who's over everything, right? We understand that in our personality. We understand that from our experience. No matter what the enemy brings, no matter what the world brings, the truth, fruit of that righteousness will be peace, shalom. Its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Lord, I want to be confident and quiet forever. I want my spirit to be quiet and my confidence to be fully on display for the world forever and ever. How about you guys? Anybody want that too? My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes. That is your inheritance. That's who you are. This other stuff isn't who you are. And if you're under attack, it's no shame that you're under attack, but it's not supposed to stay that way. Right? It's not God's will. There may be a time when you go through a season of pain and sorrow and being, even feeling deserted or unwelcome or feel like God's a million miles away or there's financial issues or whatever the issues are, but... This is God's will. My people will live in peaceful dwelling homes and secure homes in undisturbed places of rest. Though hail flattens the forest and the city is completely leveled. It's leveled completely. How blessed you will be sowing your seed by every stream and letting your cattle and donkeys range free. Now that's all agricultural talk, which I actually know very little of, but I can kind of get the scene, right, in my brain, right? How about you? <laughs> right? Peace is beautifully summarized in verse 17. I like that. As quietness and confidence forever. Isn't that cool? Quietness and confidence forever. The fruit of that righteousness will be peace, and its effect will be quietness and confidence forever. Not only from this life, but extending into the next life forever and ever. Lord, I declare that over this room. I declare it over everybody. Quietness and confidence forever, Lord. That's our inheritance. That is who we are, Lord. We just thank you so much for your inheritance in us, your inheritance through us. Isaiah 53, 4-10, which is such an, another great, records how God's peace was purchased for us through the suffering and death of Jesus. And it's very, very important to get these uh, two passages because we're going to then move into Isaiah 54, which records the inheritance of those who receive Jesus. These promises are a covenant of peace, compassion, and promise that are apprehended by faith. But Isaiah 53 is why you get to apprehend all that. So in the writer, 
And Isaiah 53 and 4 is so beautiful. Isaiah 53 is all about the suffering servant Jesus. And it's a description of what happened to him. And then Isaiah 54 is what you get because of what he did. It's the inheritance. So let's read Isaiah 53. This is a prophecy. I would say, uh, I think Isaiah wrote this some seven, 800 years before, uh, before the Messiah came. I think it was in 7 B.C., 8 B.C., somewhere in there. Surely he took up our pain, and he's prophesying. He's literally writing these words in, the, in that time, prophesying hundreds of years before it happened. This Bible is an amazing book. All these prophetic words, all of these things that were prophesied and written down and prepared by the Old Testament people, by the a people that have God's people that went before us, and then then and many not many of those things not even fulfilled until Jesus' day, and then some not even fulfilled till our day. And the just the show keeps on going, <laughs> and the Bible keeps unfolding. Right? Surely He took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered Him punished by God, stricken by Him, and afflicted. So He's seeing this hundreds of years before it happened. He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. There's that word again, peace, that brought us shalom was on him. And by his wounds we are healed because so you can walk in peace, not only mental and emotional peace, but peace in all that that covers. And we're going to read some of all that it covers in Isaiah chapter 54, ironically, and awesomely. It just follows... 53 is about what was purchased, and 54 is what you get on the other side of it. We all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted that he did not open his mouth. See, all this has been prophesied hundreds and hundreds of years before it happened. Yet he was led like a, slant, a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By oppression and judgment he was taken away. Yet who of his generation protested? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgression of my people he was punished. It was a sign to grave with the wicked. And with the rich in his death, though the, he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was Lord's, the Lord's will to crush him and to cause him to suffer. And though the world makes his life an offering for sin, he will see his offspring and prolong his days. And the will of the Lord will prosper in his hands. And so since Jesus he resurrected from the dead, the will of God has been prospering in his hand. And could I just say something about this prospering in his hands? It's never been like today. The will of God is prospering in his hand now more in the 21st, 20th century, 21st century than ever before in the history of all humanity. There are things that are afoot and blessing afoot in the body and purposes that are afoot and purposes that are being released in our time like never before, but it's all part of a progression that's been happening, forecast hundreds of years before, accomplished through the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, and now hundreds of years after, still being activated, still invading, still causing the earth to inherit the blessing that was bought for us, planned in advance, and now beginning to work its way out in ways that we can't imagine in this day and time, in ways that are so great, so so majestic, so much more than any other age. We live in one of the most exciting ages of all in history. Wow, what a time. And it's sort of the best of times and the worst of times. And that's probably as we move forward, we're going to see more and more of that. More and more of what God bought for us. And look at Isaiah 54. It records the inheritance of those who receive Jesus. These promises are a covenant of peace, compassion, and promise that are all apprehended by faith. So I'm just going to read these promises forecasts in Isaiah chapter 54, but remember, they're apprehended by faith. 
by faith. In other words, you have to believe that there is a promise, that that promise is available to you and applies to you and then is taken by you and walked in by you. It's an interesting thing how promises are walked in. Sometimes we sort of see them from afar, but we begin to believe in them and our faith begins to draw them closer and closer. And there's always in faith not only a mental and extra belief, but also an action on the other side of it, something that's required of us to step into this new arena. And so I see this all around us, by the way, and I'm so glad that as a young man, I, and I, I still feel young, but anyway, I mean, I, I even don't even want to admit that. But anyway, uh, <clears throat> that's why I don't watch this video ever. No, I'm just kidding. I always do. Hair gets a little grayer, you know. But anyway, nevertheless, uh, these promises, whether you're young or old, are being inherited on the world scene and for the church in a way that we can't imagine throughout history. And as we move forward into history, we're going to see more and more of these promises. We're going to see more of what Jesus bought for us on the cross and this church becoming more and more like him and more and more inheritor of the very promises I'm going to read in Isaiah chapter 54. Sing, bare woman, you who never bore a child, burst in a song, shout for joy, you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide, do not hold back, lengthen your cords, strengthen your stakes, for you will spread out to the right and to the left, your descendants will dispossess nations and settle in their desolate cities. Do not be afraid, you will not be put to shame, do not fear disgrace, you will not be humiliated, you will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the widow of your... the reproach of your widowhood, for your maker is your husband. (laughs) I like that. The Lord Almighty is his name, in case you forgot. Your husband's named the Lord Almighty. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. You're related to the maker. He's your husband. Can it get any clearer? This is your connection with God. And so there's a promise here of increase. There's a promise of increase because of these facts, because of, of, of what's been accomplished. Isaiah 53 tells what he did. Isaiah chapter 4 tells us what he got, what we get from it, what we get from this cross. And extending down through the centuries, with every century increasing, and it's becoming more and more and more. When Jesus said, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly, it started as a seed in a faraway nation, but now it's all over the earth beginning to bear more and more and more fruit throughout the entire planet, on every kind of blessing you can imagine. Yes, there's trouble and trial, but on the other side of it is there's a beautiful body of Christ, a powerful body of Christ, marching throughout the world on a level no one has ever seen. And the devil knows it full well, although many believers don't know full well. You just have to travel outside of your boundaries a little bit and see what the Lord is doing in the, in the, uh, in the world. I, myself, am involved very intimately and very connected to a movement that started with a few hundred churches and now we're 31,000 strong, 31,000 churches in a faraway place called India in a place where nobody thought the gospel could move is moving through every population you could imagine through Hindus and Muslims as part of the inheritance is part of your maker being your husband whose Lord is also named the Lord Almighty. We live in these times and if never before we've seen this. United States, we're a little cut off from this because we live in kind of a bubble sometimes compared to the rest of the world. But in Islam, Islamic nations, as well as Hindu nations and major world religions, there's major, major movement. And these Hindu religions and the Muslim nations, they know it full well. They're very aware. Our, our media may not be aware of it. You as a believer may not be aware of it. But they are very, very aware of what's going on. 
It hasn't escaped their notice. And they're trying to put these fires out like crazy, trying to stomp them out. But the more they stomp, the more they burn, burn, burn. The next 10 years, you're going to see some of the most unbelievable things you have ever seen in the history of Christianity. It has already happened. It'll just be more and more open and more and more obvious. And though persecution comes, it just makes the fire burn brighter and brighter and spills out further and further. And unreached regions of the world that we never thought of we could reach are being reached through every kind of technological advance, every kind of spiritual advance, every kind of apostolic ministry in our time. Though you see war in the world and you see the disappointment on the other side of it are God's people. They're all there. They're with the Palestinians. They're with the Jews. They're all there. They're all embedded. They're all salt and light in those places. Shine their light, the light that's blinding, that's causing multitudes to come to Christ. This is the truth of the gospel in our time. This is the peace that Jesus bought and is coming on every area and every continent. And no area of the world will be left out. Not one place from the highest places in the Himalayas to the deepest darkness in, in the Congo, to, to the deserts and hot, far reaches of the world, to mass populations like India with a billion people over, seeing the gospel come in every nook and cranny. This is, where the, this is what we live in right now. This is where we are right now. This is the peace Jesus bought for the world, coming from the inside out on a level that nobody has ever seen before in history. Wow. Oh, I love these verses so much. They're just so incredible. Uh, there's so many promises here. The promise of increase. Your maker is your husband. He's a good provider, right? Isaiah 54, 1-5. The covenant of peace cannot be removed from God's people, even though the mountains be shaken. Isaiah 54, 10-12. Here's one I like so much. In verse 13, all your children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Hmm. I think that's probably meaningful to a few people here. So Isaiah 53 remembers the story of the cross. Isaiah 54 is what comes from the cross. All prophesied hundreds of years before, right? <clears throat> if you want this to be true for your children, stand up right now. I pray right now, Lord, for every lost child, every child that's not doing so good, every child that's doing good, every child that hasn't received Christ yet, every child that has received Christ yet, yeah, has received Christ already. I declare it today, Isaiah 54, 13. All my children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Why won't you just say that? All my just do it all together. All my children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Let's say it again. All my children will be taught by the Lord, and great will be their peace. Not one's left out. Not one's left out. And not only that they are saved, but there's peace. Peace is a big word. Shalom is a big word. In their finances, in their mental health, in their job, peace, shalom of God, recognition of the Savior, and recognition of the prosperity and the goodness of the Lord, all in one bundle. I declare that over every child represented here, young and old, from the infant to the oldest, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. From the one that's saved to the one that's not saved. The one that's sick to the one that's well. In Jesus' name. The one that's struggling financially to the one that's prospering. I declare your abundance, your shalom over them. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. All right. So, because the people of God are established in the righteousness of Jesus, the Bible says tyranny and terror will be far removed from them, both emotionally, I want to say, and in their life circumstances. And maybe you're experiencing some tyranny right now. 
it's impossible to live in this life without being a little bruised and broken, right? But your promise is you don't have to stay there. You don't have to stay there. That's the promise. That's the shalom of God. Tyranny and terror will be far removed from them, both emotionally and in their life circumstances. Tyranny is a gentle word for the internal disruption of society. I thought that was interesting. Matyar, a guy that probably the greatest commentary in Isaiah, his name is, I don't even say his name right, probably Motier, Matyar. What's, how do you pronounce his name, Alicia? Motier, I blew it all together. Okay, Motier. I knew we had a resident scholar in here. Can know, I knew you would know his name. Anyway, Motier, okay, I got it. So Isaiah 54, let's just look at, I want to just look at these verses uh, again, especially verse 14, all right? In righteousness you'll be established. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. Terror will be far removed. Now, I was just thinking about this. He said the word tyranny will be far removed. And he said this is a general word for the internal disruption of society. Anybody experiencing any internal disruption of society? <laughs> I mean, I'll tell you what. Honestly, three or four years ago, if you had said internal disruption of society, I would have been as blank as I was a few years ago. What is he talking about internal disruption, you know? You know, I remember the riots in Watts or those sort of things, but never internal disruption. Every everything challenged, every uh, political structure challenged, every uh, religious structure challenged, every way that we used to do things, every tradition, everything our nation's been built on. Internal disruption is a great description of this. It's a great word. Tyranny is a general word for the internal disruption. So this scripture says. Tyranny will be far from you. You will have nothing to fear. So we cannot cave in as the body of Christ to fear. While everybody else is running, we're standing. While everybody else is going the wrong direction, we're going the right direction. We will not let go. That's why, whether it's a plague or whether it's some sort of new political move or whatever, we will not be dissuaded. Tyranny will be far removed. Terror will be far removed. It will not come near you. Tyranny will be removed. Even though it seems close, we have nothing to fear. Why is that? Because we are blood-bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. We have become sons and daughters of the Most High God, and God doesn't desert His kids. He may help them to get through some very difficult times. There may be seasons and things that are very trying, but this whole internal disruption of society right here, this is how he said He said, it's a general word for the internal disruption of society, tyranny. But for us as the body of Christ, it's far removed from us. Internal disruption, economy, and education, and everything will be far removed from us. That's the promise we have that comes right from the cross, right from what was bought for us. You read all about the cross in Isaiah 53, and Isaiah 54, you see what we get from the, what Jesus did. Isaiah 54, 16, 17. No weapon forged against you will prevail. Oh boy, I like that one. Neither frontal attack nor legal challenge can deprive them of what the Lord has granted. Heritage describes reality of possession. Reality of possession. So the reality of our possession is that no weapon forged against us will prevail. That's Isaiah 54, 16 and 17. I love these verses so much. It is I who created the blacksmith who fans the coals into flame and forges a weapon fit for its work and it is I who have created the destroyer to wreak havoc. In other words, the Lord knows all about these people, right? No weapon forged against you, however, will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage. Heritage describes, this is your possession. Not just your inheritance, your heritage. Uh, of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication for me, declares the Lord. We actually get vindicated. In other words, we get proved for who we are 
by the trouble that we uh, affects us differently. That was a really good one, Mike. You like? I think you did that. Anybody experienced a little trouble? So the trouble that we've been experiencing in our culture, see, the heritage of the servants of the Lord is just the opposite. Ours is that we get vindicated in a time like this. We get vindicated. It's the reality of our possession. These things that I'm talking about, no weapon forged against us will prevail. It's our time to shine. It's our time to do well. It's not our time to cower and be like all the rest of the world. And while they're bemoaning the educational system and some, you know, oh my goodness, what's happening in our education is just brutal, horrible, terrible. And half the world, most of the world doesn't even understand it, but we do. But in the end, guess what's going to happen? We're going to press into our Christian schools. We're going to have the smartest kids on the earth. The most equipped kids. Kids that actually can do something. Kids that will work hard. By the way, working hard isn't just a virtue. Virtue, Working hard is how you prosper. So I think there's a wealth transfer going on. You know, people talk about this wealth transfer. Oh, this wealth transfer, this, this guy named whatever, you know, he's got billions of dollars, he's manipulating the environment. Listen, there's a wealth translation, there's a wealth transfer going on. That guy's wealth, whoever's, he doesn't know the Lord, he's open to the one that steals, kills, and destroys. Your wealth, however, endures, stands, and there, uh, you mark my words, there are opportunities for the people in the body of Christ to make more money than they've ever made. The, we, we were made to be the head and not the tail, and it's times like this that will show it now more than ever. It might not show it right now at the beginning, but you watch as years go by, as the time goes by, we're the ones that will prosper because the other ones are vulnerable to this thief who gives the money and then knocks them out and steals it with the other hand. Our God's not like that. I came, he said, that they might have life and have it abundantly internally and externally in every possible way. Vindication can be translated righteousness in Isaiah 54, 17. No weapon forged against you will prevail. You'll refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. This is their vindication from me. This is their righteousness from me. You are righteous. This is because you are righteous in God's sight by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. You've been vindicated. The Lord declares our righteousness. Our status before God could not be more honorable nor acceptance before Him more complete because it's bound up in the blood of Jesus and the authority of Jesus. That's why no weapon forged against you will prevail. No, you'll refute every tongue that accuses you. By the way, you'll refute every tongue that accuses you. What are you supposed to do then when trouble comes? Just sort of endure it, hope that it doesn't last any longer, hope that you just sort of weather the storm. I know a lot of believers are trying to do that. Don't do that. Refute it. Stand up in the wind. And you think, well, this is ridiculous. I'm just standing up and just shouting for no reason. No. In the name of Jesus, the wind, by the way, has ears. God's messengers go on the wind. The Bible says it's the angels, the heavenly hosts, spiritual powers and authority. Hear your declarations and your authority. Both the negative ones and the positive ones. That's why no weapon forged against you will prevail. You can refute every tongue that accuses you. And sometimes what's accusing you is not just events around you, not just bad things that have happened, but demonic power tro- bent on destroying your family, bent on destroying your finances, bent on destroying everything you have because the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And sometimes you have to stand up with your mouth and say, I rebuke that, I refute that. You will not come in my house. I don't care how much trouble has been here. I don't care how it's come. My lot in life, my possession, the reality of my inheritance is I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. And by life, I mean everything. 
My kids will know the Lord. My kids will be happy. My children will be happy. I'll have enough money, whatever it is. This is our shalom. This is what God bought for us. So there's a New Testament passage I love so much, and this is Roman numeral 3 in your outline there. It's Philippians chapter 4. I love these verses so much because they, they sort of help me to see this better, you know. And uh, remember, this is, um, I, I love Philippians so much because remember when Paul went to Philippi, do you remember the story of how he got acquainted with the Philippians? Anybody remember? By the way, I think I taught about this in my, my life in the spirit class. By the way, those classes and stuff, encourage you all to come. My class I do up here for all you that are newer. I've been doing this year after year, but my class is right up here in the front. Just come on Tuesday night and just show up here. Or sorry, Wednesday night, sorry. Don't come Tuesday, it'll be lonely here. Come on Wednesday. The door might be locked too. Come on Wednesday. And there's worship at 6 and the class starts at 6.30, but there's three or four classes besides mine. And uh, just come. And so we just talk about all this and, uh, and, and hang out and, and, and we, 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 we just equip one another and, and these very things that we're, we're, we're talking about, right? So uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 4 to 8. Rejoice, Lord, always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Now, why is... Uh, so the I, I, reason why I got on that track is I, I remember as I'm teaching in my class, I, I love teaching on these sort of things because, see, this is what we get. This is our inheritance. This is, this is what we get. This is the shalom of God in the New Testament sense, sense in just a very short place uh, in Philippians. But remember, okay, so the reason why I got on all that bad track there, not bad track, that was a good track, the reason why I got sidetracked is because actually I love to teach on this part when I come to that part in our class because I talk about how the Lord does in times of trouble and situations and stuff, right? And, uh, and I, I love these passages because Paul was in jail. Remember that? He was in jail, in a Philippian jail. And when he was in that Philippian jail, what did he do when he was in the Philippian jail? He worshipped to the top of his lungs. He's worshipping, singing. And what happened while he was in jail? The chains fell out, the door opened, and the whole situation was so reversed that by the time that night was over, they were begging him to leave. Right? And he said, oh, I'll leave when I feel like it. Yeah, okay, fine, you know. And eventually, okay, I'll leave now, but anyway, uh, I'll be back. <laughs> and the church was started, right? Perfect example. Perfect example. And then I love to tell about the story in my class. So many of you have heard my story already. The story of my class and my friend who had the same thing happen in a Cambodian jail, right? Same exact thing happened. Incredible miracle happened. And, and the church in Cambodia thrives and lives because of these sort of miracles, Talk about oppression in these distant countries. We worry about the oppression, but in these other places, the gospel is moving so rapidly. One reason why is because of the oppression. Because it's so thick, the oppression is so thick that it's causing people to lose everything, right? And the world looking around trying to figure out what to do, right? And the church has an answer. The church has an answer. I love these verses. So Paul was in a Philippian jail, all right? He worshipped God in that flipping jail and the door cells flew open. For you don't remember the story, right? And by the time he was done, they were begging him to leave, right? Because he actually got out of jail by the power of God, right? Okay, so now he's writing in Philippians. So look what he writes. It's so beautiful, right? Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Now what was he doing when the jail cell doors flew open? They were singing hymns to God. So we don't sing hymns here as a prelude. We sing hymns here. We sing songs because they're songs of deliverance. When you sing like that, the devil hates it. And it cuts right across every demonic 
barrier and bondage and right through your own soul. So by the time you're done worshiping, you feel, hey, I, I feel like I'm out of jail here a little bit. I feel, I feel a little bit better. Uh, frankly, I get out of jail every Sunday morning. I do. And then I get out of jail on Wednesdays. And then I get out of jail on Thursday. Whenever I'm worshiping, I get out of jail. So that's why he said he knew it too. So what happened when the jail cells flew open? Rejoice, Lord, always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. He was singing. That's what he was doing. And the jail cell opened. Let your gentleness be evident to all. You can translate that in various ways. But, but, but let your tenderness, let your uh, forbearing spirit. It's translated, in other words, meaning, in other words, this is a bad situation, but you're not erupting. You're not angry. That's why I don't trust angry spirits in the time that we're in right now. I think there's a lot to cause us to be angry and, right, and, and rightfully so. But how you control your anger is very important because you don't want to get to the place where you're so angry that you forget you've got someone else in control. If you may think your anger is going to help things be more controlling or better, maybe in some expressions, maybe a little protest here, whatever, sure. But in the end, God's going to have to turn the key. And we'll get a lot farther with faith, a lot farther with a positive message, a positive uh, something to our culture who's dying, who's shriveling up at the vine, who, who needs God desperately. And the more that people project and the more they project this filth and all the things they're doing, the worse it gets. And the worse it gets, something on the inside it goes, hmm, I don't know if this works very well anymore. And that's what's going to happen. That's what's going to happen. Even uh, large companies are seeing, hmm, we thought that was a pretty good idea in the beginning, but boy, when we did this, we were losing a little of a... Matter of fact, I can't even find a good employee anymore. And then I'll, beyond that, I'm losing lots of profits here. But there's something wrong here, right? But we, here's what we do. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now remember, he's writing this to the Philippians, and they know the story. He was in a jail, he was worshiping, and the jail cells flew open, and his bondages fell, and the jailer's crying to him, hey, what, am I, what do I need to be saved? Takes him home, bandages him up. And by the time Paul was done with that place, they were begging him to leave, right? And the church was started. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all, your forbearing spirit, another way to say it. May your patience be evident to all. That's why I have to be careful in this time of how we release anger. Sometimes there's a righteous indignation that needs to be released. But overall, I think what the world's looking for is somebody that's calm, that's not worried. Aren't you worried about that? No, I'm not worried about that. No, I'm, we're going to be all right. Really? Yeah, we're going to be okay. Well, how do you know? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> right? Right? The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. How many things would that be? Anything. Anything. No, nothing. Nothing. Everything's under the prayer covering, right? But in every situation, by every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present requests to God, and the peace of God, there's that word again, shalom just keeps popping up over and over again, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I'll tell you, I felt that guarding as I've been through these days and during the pandemic, this guarding, this little internal guarding. You know, just like anyone, I, I was concerned and worried, but, but I, I kept feeling this guarding. That's why we didn't really pull away too far into, too deep into this. We, we lasted just a little bit. We didn't last very long not having a service. Then we had it outside, and, and, but we just couldn't keep, we just, I don't know. I, it got to the place in the pandemic where I kept trying to be upset, but I, I just couldn't be upset, you know. I tried to be concerned, uh, but I, I, I just, I couldn't go there. I, I mean, I, I even tried it out a little bit, you know, maybe, whoa, whoa. But every time I got there, I thought, well, this ain't going to do anything, you know. And, and this is the way you're wired. So when you're wired in Jesus, you know, you just start acting different. And that's why the world just drives them crazy. 
They're thinking, well, you're not being preventative enough. You're not doing this or that, you know. How would you, that, that's not wise. Da, 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 da. Now, some things that the world's doing are wise, right? It's so important. But the other things, we just can't, we can't walk to the beat of their anxious drum all the time. We weren't made like that. We literally march to the beat of a different drummer. That's why he says, don't be anxious about how many things? Anything. But in every situation. How many situations? Every situation. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So this prayer and petition with thanksgiving must have something to do with your problem. It must be a problem-solving way to deal with difficult situations. Present your request to God. And this is this. This is the part I write. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul in Philippi is worshiping in jail. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, this is really good advice for right now. Because be careful how you watch the news. Be careful how you listen to bad news. Listen here. Listen to this. Brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything's excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. That's for your protection. But also it's for your noggin. So you'll think straight. It's for your protection. And for your, so you'll have the wisdom of God. Because all this anxiety and things crawl, uh, what it does, it eliminates the wisdom from God. I watch this all the time. Whether pandemic or no pandemic, trouble or no trouble, I watch this all the time with people. They're doing fine until the panic sets in. When the panic sets in, they don't have any brains anymore. They just leave. The brains all leave. It's all gone, you know. So it's so important to stay in this place so you can think clearly. Our government's struggling. They go from one panic situation to the other, trying one stupid decision after another. Millions and millions of dollars because they're freaking out over there. Let's try this. And then they go, let's go try that. Buying, I mean... This whole, ah, I could go on and on about this. What they're doing in Los Angeles is really particularly intriguing, man. How much money they're spending on housing and trying to deal with this situation. And it gets worse and at worse and worse. I think actually here we've discovered a few answers to this. We figured out a few things. And part of it has to do with the responsibility of the people that are receiving the care that they, they get exposed to something beyond themselves, something more than just we took care of you, right? Something on the inside, though, it's like giving them a fishing pole and, and fish at the same time so they can begin to fish and begin to understand how they can move and, and also brings their dignity back. You're not supposed to be a homeless person. You're temporarily homeless. But you're not homeless. You're homeless with all the rest of us, with Jesus. You, you have a place. You're not, I'm not going to brand you homeless. God can take care of you in a snap, in a sh- second. So you depend on Him. And don't put yourself under the trust of others. And That's your answer. Your answer is Jesus, and He loves to take care of you. He proved it, right? So you put that little inside of Him, inside the noggin a little bit, and it begins to rattle around. And people begin to get a hold of that, begin to, wait a minute. I like what they gave me. That was really good. But you know who's my shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. I wonder, you know, maybe He could help me with this job. Maybe He could give me an idea about a new thing. Maybe there's a creative thing. You know, I just want to declare right now. I declare over every enigma and every problem, every business problem, every financial problem, I declare this, the creative solutions of God over you right now in Jesus' name. Put your hand right on your head. Lord, I... <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to be manipulative here, but I'm being manipulative. Lord, I just ask for creative solutions to come into our noggins about every problem we're facing. Some of you are making huge decisions. You're trying to go, do I do this or do I do that? 
Do I go this career or do that? What am I going to do with my children? Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would open according to these words, Lord. I, I pray you'd open our intellect, open our mind. I pray you'd put things in front of us. I pray mighty faith would come, and I pray the creativity, creativity of God would come in us to give solutions to our difficult problems and the world's difficult problems in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go back here. Just a few more verses here. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Oh, be a gentle as direct contrast to the world around us. The world is not very gentle right now. The Lord is near. That's why we're kind. That's why we're gentle of heart. Another way to describe that is your forbearing spirit. In other words, a little bit more endurance, a little bit more putting up with people. Matter of fact, you know what? Who should be the best people to house the homeless? It's us because we should have the longest, biggest forbearing spirit because that's what you need as people are processing through their stuff. You need a little room on the one side and then you need to how to put a little justice and discipline in on the other side, right? This is like a special brew in terms of dealing with the homeless. You have to have discipline, but at the same time, compassion. You have to be able, you know what I mean? And I think you only get the right mixture with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you say no, and sometimes you say, come on. Really? Yeah, come on. It's okay. It's all free. Really? Yeah. But sometimes you've got to go, ah, can't do that anymore. Here's the boundary. So long, only the Spirit can give you that sort of boundary, right? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request tonight to God. We have access to the greatest authority in the universe. I love it. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation. How many situations would that be? Every situation. By prayer and petition with what? Thanksgiving at the same time. Like I'm not wringing my hands, not freaking out, panicking, Lord. I need this, but I thank you for everything you've done for me in the past. I want to thank you in advance for what you're about to do for me. I am not going to freak out, but I am in pretty dire need right now. Thank you, Lord. I just recognize that you are the solution to my problem, and you've been past, you've done it in the past, and you're going to do it again. Amen. You know what? By the time you're done praying that prayer, you actually have real faith. This wringing the hands thing, it just sucks every bit of faith out of you, right? Part of prayer is refuting every a tongue that accuses you. I like that. I really like that. You find it in uh, Isaiah 54:17. Listen to this verse. I'm going to just listen real carefully because I'm moving back to Isaiah 54:17. Remember Isaiah 53, what God purchased. Isaiah 54, what, uh, God, what Isaiah 53, what the price that was paid. Isaiah 54, the blessing you inherit. And Philippians 4 is similar, right? Listen to this. So, all right. <clears throat> The result of this is supernatural peace. Guard your heart and your mind. And listen to this. No matter the circumstances, you are always free to think noble and lovely things, and the peace of God will be with you. But that Isaiah 54:17 says this. No weapon forged against you will prevail, and you will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication for me. This is your heritage is similar to inheritance, only it's a stronger where it's more like authority. This is this is what you got in the tank. This is who you are. You may not have all of it in the present, but this is this is who you are in the Lord. This is your uh, your uh, correct response to God. No weapon forged against you will prevail. You will refute every tongue that accuses you. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and this is their vindication from me. No matter what the circumstance, you're always free to think of lo- noble and lovely things, and the peace of God will be with you. That comes right out of Philippians, and that's exactly what Paul did, right? So I want to be noble at the same time I'm weak. And that's a hard combination sometimes. At the same time, I may be experiencing want. I'm also a king and a queen, right? Because I drive my authority from where? From the authority of God. And I drive my authority not just from visible things, but from is- invisible things, right? 
invisible things spiritually and invisible ways that I'm kind and generous. By the way, generosity is one of the most powerful things you can do in your whole life. Give and what? It shall be given to you. It's just a trick there because when you give, sometimes, boy, you're thinking, oh, man, I am really, I don't know if I can afford that, right? Oh, you can't afford not to sow into the kingdom. Give and what? It shall be given to you. Everything sometimes feet backwards, but it works. It works. The kingdom of God works. It's this lovely, beautiful kingdom, sometimes upside down, but it all brings, in, in, in the last analysis, this shalom, this peace, meaning the peace in my heart, calmness in my heart, but also that fire is gone, that fire is gone. Jesus putting that one out, that one out. It has to do with all my outward circumstances as well. Amen? Amen? Let's all stand. Lord, I just thank you, God, for the privilege of declaring the shalom of God in this place, the peace of God. And I just think maybe in this place, we always take some time to this. We're going to have a newcomer's welcome. And by the way, uh, just you don't have to go but more than a few steps. Sit at the table and you're at our newcomer's welcome. <laughs> we got you right here in the room. Usually we go out in the tent, but it's too wet out there and too cold. And so it's nice here. And so we'll be serving. Anybody that would like to, just don't take a seat anywhere. But before we do that, I would like to just take a little time. <clears throat> I always like to do this, just give you five minutes, three minutes, ten minutes, whatever you want. Just a time to respond to the Lord in prayer. So I find when I listen to a sermon like this, even I'm thinking about myself, even as I'm (laughs) preaching this, there's a side of me that needs to go, "Uh, sorry about that, God. Sorry about that one, God. (laughs) Sorry about that, God. (laughs) I've been a little out of control lately. Sorry about that. But then there's the other side of me that says, okay, I'm done with that. Now, Lord, address this thing. Help me with this thing. Have mercy. So there's a company over here that I'm praying for all the way. Where's the doctor? Is she here? Is the doctor in the house? No, not that doctor. The doctor with the... She's not with you today. Uh, so Nicole, you're her husband, right? What's your name again? Huh? Pete, that's right. So I declare life into this business in Jesus' name. You tell Nicole, I declare life into this business in Jesus' name. Turn the tide. This woman, this man, who are doing so much to relieve literal physical pain in people's body. This woman who has been so faithful to pioneer, to move into areas where nobody else has. In the name of Jesus, I declare the life of God over this business. And may the Lord give you and your wife, Pete, just wonderful wisdom on what to do. Scripture says there's a proper time and procedure for everything. May the Lord give you the right time and procedure. This business has to live. It has to grow and has to function because it's too wonderful. It's a miracle brought forth by the Lord. Your education and your hard work is brought forth to a certain place. But there's more to it than that. It's a supernatural gift that God's going to give you to actually physically remove pain from so many people. You've already done it. There's more to come. So, Lord... They need wisdom for this hour, how to handle this financially, what to do now, space-wise and every which way. So I pray in the name of Jesus that you would help them. I pray you protect their own health in this process in Jesus' mighty name. That's just one example in business. There's other things. Matter of fact, I just feel like if you're at a crossroads, there's a place maybe in your life financially or another way where you're trying to figure out, what do I do this or I do that? What's the wisdom of God for me now? If that's you right now, come to the front right now. I just encourage you to do that. And you can stay for two seconds. And we'll save your seat if you're newer. Uh, Don't worry, there'll be left by the time we're done. Don't worry. Just come. And I want to pray a general prayer. 
But while we're in worship, maybe some ministry team people could come around and agree with you in prayer. We're just going to ask God for a breakthrough today, just for some wonderful things. Lord, I just ask you as I pray today, over anyone that's just responding and crying out to you, anyone that just needs you to bring shalom into their life. Remember, shalom isn't just inner peace. It's, it's order. It's blessing. It's, it's the blessing of God over every part of your life. So, Lord, in the name of Jesus, there's lots of decisions that need to be made here. There's lots of things that have been troubling us and confusing us. I pray, Lord, whether we're here or in our seat, as we take this next maybe three or four minutes, as he's worshiping, just pray your heart out. Just tell God what's in your heart, what you need, and just spill it out to him. Just tell him and declare the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I declare the shalom of God, the very peace of God in your family, in your business, in your finances, in your household, in your living situation, in your body. May the peace of God be on you. May the love of God be on you. May solutions come. May they come in ways you can't imagine. I just summon solutions for every problem, physical, mental, and emotional problem in this room. I pray you would solve difficult situations, things that have been in a knot for so long we haven't even known how to untie it. I pray this would be a day of untying knots and renewing our strength. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God bless you all. You guys stay up here. Don't move for a while. Just pray. All right, stay praying for your seat. Thank you so much for joining us. We hope you have a great week. If you had an encounter during this service, we would love to hear about it in the comments. And for more information, next steps, check our website out at vineyardallin.org. Thank you.